And most importantly, hello, aliens. We come in peace. <laughs> and Maybe. I would love... Sabrina goes willingly. Some I, of us may not. Take me away. Take me away. Take me to your planet. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. Or should we... Today, we should be Two Girls, One Alien. This is Two Girls, One Alien. Today. Two Girls, One Alien. It is World Contact Day which is March 15th. I guess this comes out the 16th, but March 15th of every year is World Contact Day. It is the day in which we all as a community in the world try to communicate with an alien species or, you know, our lords above us, our other. And you bet your bottom dollar, we're we're trying something. I mean, we're recording this obviously before the day. Yes. But when that day comes, we will be we'll be doing something and we're going to go live on Patreon too. So yeah. if you want to see what that is, join our Patreon and you can watch it back. I wanted to give some information about World Contact Day. And so I did a little research and I feel like this could be more of an in-depth episode, but just as a what are you getting yourself into, I'm going to share a little bit of information about World Contact Day. I will probably cry a couple times because I have yet to be abducted and I'm sad about that. And then we are going to read listener stories from listeners with firsthand encounters with the aliens. Hell yes, we are. World Contact Day. Also, we should just tell people that you took your sweatshirt off so that it's not like a, oh my God, all of a sudden something glitched and Corinna is different. It's yeah. a ghost. We, well, if you keep watching, I'm just going to keep removing one layer as the episode goes on. So. Don't tease us, Corinne. If you've never seen a nipple, <laughs> go to YouTube now. <laughs> YouTube is just going to like ban us. Nudity. <laughs> oh God, a fleshy dot in the middle of her chest. That Ew. everyone has. My gosh. Maybe not aliens, though. We don't maybe know. Maybe not. Well, maybe this year on March 15th, we will contact them. So World Contact Day has been celebrated for basically since 1952, 1953. It was initiated by the International Flying Saucer Bureau, IFSB, which unfortunately, very sadly, does not or does not exist anymore. I'll say in quotations oh. because they've gone underground. I believe they have. It was invented by or created, initiated by Albert K. Bender, and he revealed – so basically, Bender had had his own experiences with aliens, and I'll tell that very briefly. So Albert Bender apparently had been visited by three men in black. They communicated with him telepathically, and it felt like he was being transported he also reported having a second visit from three floating figures in shadows. Ooh. They told Ooh. him, yeah, they told him that they had captured humans from Earth to disguise themselves in human form on Earth for their visits. So, of course, Bender, having had these experiences, is like, well, I got to find out more. I want to make contact with them. So in the summer of 1953, he made a series of findings to find the truth about UFO stories, and he planned to publish that in October of 1953. 
But before publishing his discoveries, he apparently was visited by these three men in black once more. And these men threatened him not to publish his findings of extraterrestrial life. So what? in November of 1953, he shut down the Bureau with a caution note to alien life enthusiasts. Basically, the Bureau lasted for a year. Perhaps it went underground. Perhaps Bender is working with the aliens. I do not know. But since this day in 1953, March 15th, they have basically put out this message to the world to send peaceful telepathic notes to aliens in our universe. The aliens have asked for a friendly, peaceful, and mutual relationship with humans on Earth and have asked people to realize that there is extraterrestrial life. In 2013, it was extended for an entire week. And so basically, like from March 15th to March 22nd, they tried to make contact and connection. 2013, you said? In 2013, yeah. Huh, interesting. I wonder why that year... If there was any significance or if they were just like, let's try a little longer. Let's try every day. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Regardless. Because I know Dolores Cannon had predicted that basically like the worlds would, the populations of people would kind of like split and divide by 2012, which obviously didn't come true. Unless our dimensions split and we wouldn't know. I don't know. We know nothing here. We know nothing. But we do know the history of of World Contact Contact Day. Day. And we know that it has continued to be celebrated and despite IFSB, yeah, no longer existing, it is still celebrated and that is why we are celebrating. So we will put out there in the world and on our Patreon on March 15th and perhaps every day to put out your telepathic communication with the alien species and say, I love you, please abduct Sabrina. I love you. This is reminding me of, (laughs) I feel like you are Puss in Boots when in the Puss in Boots movie when he's like, or I guess it was in Shrek, when he's like a, you know, he can be a eccentric, fun and energy filled and and combative thing when he needs to be. But he just like looks at his eyes and he's like all innocent. And I feel like that's how you look at aliens. You're like, just take me. I won't be a bother. And then as soon as you get there, you're going to be like, tell me everything. Here's where I want to be. Here's what we should do. You know what? I don't think I would be like that because I've never in my life been like that. I think I would just be in awe and I would be mesmerized and I would be like a little puppy dog looking at everything. Where's the library? Yeah. Tell me everything. Show me. What's another thing you want to show me? You want to kill me? <laughs> you want to eat my organs? Do it. Sure. I will Do sacrifice. It. Let me watch. <laughs> Let me watch you <laughs> eat me. <laughs> Ew. Oh, Honestly. Why did I say that? It's the so way sick. I would like to die. I sure hope you don't die that way because that is really gruesome. That is torture. But death by aliens? Come on. That's cool. Oh, I was just thinking like just in general watching some yourself be like disemboweled and eaten. Oh, yeah. No, that would be unfortunate. But that would be. But hopefully that won't happen. I do find it interesting that in that history, that man, I'm forgetting his name. Bender. Albert Bender. Albert Bender, that he, despite being, I mean, he he clearly was a bit fearful of the warnings of the men in black, and yet was still trying to make some sort of contact and and encouraging other people to speak to aliens. But like the men in black kind of are aliens. 
Right. So, well, did he not really realize that maybe? No, I think he did. I mean, he had apparently discovered a bunch of information about UFOs and extraterrestrial life, and he was going to publish it, and he didn't. Mm. So I think it there's a difference of publishing information and accepting and communicating with the aliens. Because I think there yeah. needs to be a sense of acceptance before there is a publication or like evidence of what they are doing in the world i guess maybe what was the intention of the men in black or of the alien species from preventing him to publish this was this because they assumed everyone would believe it and it was before the time that they wanted that information leaked because in history when people publish things like that people don't believe it even if it's declassified documents from the cia the amount of people that are actually looking at that and truly believing it and digesting it is a very small group. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it was because they didn't understand how people would take it or if kind of what I think you're alluding to, like if they wanted everyone to know everything and we just weren't ready to actually absorb yeah. all that information and truly believe it. We weren't there yet. So it would be a wasted effort to publish everything in a time when it would never be accepted. Yeah. But, but okay. If my question now is where is this research what were his findings? Because clearly he was onto something and had actual knowledge in order for mm-hmm. these entities to be like, don't publish it. And also, how did he discover this knowledge? And how can we embark on this journey following in the footsteps of Albert Bender? Oh my gosh. Should we do an Albert Bender like season where it's eight Deep episodes? Time. We do an intense research. We contact his family. I don't know, maybe he's still alive. We find his research. We follow his footsteps and what he was doing, where he was and what he was looking Mm -hmm. into. And then we end it with contacting the aliens. I was almost thinking at the end of every single episode, we try some form to contact the aliens, right? It's like, meditation and hypnosis and then it's literally just like waiting in the center of a field (laughs) all right let's get i don't know the various things we should talk to Payne Lindsay. i feel like this is right up his alley oh totally hey march 23rd i cannot freaking wait high strange is coming out which is his his season his his well not his show it's his podcast podcast. about it's an entire show where yes oh we won't say anything but he gave us a couple hints as to some of the things that are going to be included in it and i can't I know. And I know that he and the whole team at Tenderfoot have been working on it so hard. I'm so excited. It's going to be Maybe we will make contact with aliens on March 15th. We'll tell Payne and then we'll be (laughs) – they'll add an extra episode at the end of the season and it will be us talking all about what happened. Two girls, lots of aliens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what happened. That is. Um, Okay. We obviously love aliens and we love talking about all this this stuff and it's so fascinating. But I we have an important lesson that we learned recently. Today. So today, shout out to Robin and Letha because they both emailed us because they heard us say that we think Sabrina is a starseed. And we're like, hey, you might want to research the history of starseeds. We're like, oh, why? Because our understanding, or I think what we thought starseeds were, is kind of, it falls more into the new age category of what starseeds could be, which I think you and I, having very little knowledge of them and hearing them just thrown around online a couple of times, thought that 
it was a, a soul that was currently living on Earth that had either previously in, been incarnated on another planet yeah. in one of their lives or originated from another planet and is just like on Earth living right. a few lives on Earth or something. Yes. I think that's what we thought. So it was it was a kind of an innocent and like benign. It was like, where do souls it, come from? Where do energy? How many planets can we incarnate on? Is reincarnation right. real? Like that was sort of our... But it was a yeah. bit naive because we didn't take the time to do the research and understand what that no. term was, where it came from. I think as many people do, when you hear a term and just hear one definition of it, you're like, oh, that's what it means. But we have learned. Yeah, guys, we're not going to be talking about star seeds no. <laughs> after this because uh, I will give you – you guys can all do a deep dive yourselves. I'll just give you like a really high-level uh, overview of starseeds. But basically, in researching the history, it has deep historical links with fascism and white supremacy. Yeah. So the really, really high level is basically throughout history, there have been many groups. Even Dolores Cannon has said some things in her research that suggests that it's – let me back up. Basically, it is saying, or, or many groups have said in a sort of intergalactic alien s version of eugenics that the people who are star seeds are superior, right? And they're like the superior race and they are usually depicted as white and blonde and extremely attractive and very intelligent and there's no room for anyone else. And basically yeah. the thought behind this is like those people are going to evolve and everyone else is dumb and it's everyone else is going to like die out because we're just sorry i have stuff in my eye um but basically like it's it's a really horrible version of darwinism and yeah it's and incorrect has so much it's so incorrect is so much racism attached to it some yeah. of those ideas were adopted by very horrible leaders such as hitler yeah and they continue to go through today so there are actually groups today that operate as yeah. like a starseed I'm not going to say the exact names because I don't want people to actually look them up. But basically, it's it's supposed to say, like, I am above everyone else and everyone else is beneath me and undeserving of basic human decency. And I'm the more powerful no. person. And it's all just super effed up. It's so, very effed up. And so we apologize. Very, yes. Oh, and in my research, I did see that there was a lot of anti-Semitism attached to lizard people as well, which, again, we've referenced that a bunch because we just didn't know what they were. Yeah. I thought they were just reptile creatures from another planet that just could shapeshift into people. But apparently it was anyway, they're just there's a lot of fucked up history. Um, and the way that it's been wrapped and packaged into the new age stuff that we see very filtered down and only get bits and pieces of it because we haven't ever, like Sabrina said, we like didn't take the time to actually look it up. Yeah. But it, it's a lot different than what we thought it was. So yeah. we're here to tell everyone because I think there's probably some people that are blindly following things that we say in the way that we blindly followed things that we heard. Yeah. So And it's not right. That's all to say we really appreciate when our listeners, you all, do email us with this information because yeah. we're human. Um, there's so much information out there in the world and well, we're going to – everything. Yeah. And, you know? but, but, I mean, we're going to make mistakes and I – we do apologize for using that term, not knowing and naively, you know, just blindly do to do following along with things that we heard. And we are going to make more of an effort to make sure we are doing more research on these spiritual terms that come mm -hmm. across our, you know, TikTok pages or in our research. But yeah, please let us know because for us to go on and, and not know this and not obviously think to research it. 
Yeah. That's embarrassing. So yeah, we don't want to be like embarrassed any longer. So and also we we want to learn and make sure we are speaking properly and and correctly and not propagating terms that are so blatantly or not blatantly Mm -hmm. are so demeaning and demoralizing and toxic to so many people. Yes. And I will say that in the new version of what a starseed is supposed to be in the way that it's been talked about for a lot of millennials and Gen Z who, who just like us didn't look into the history of that term and how it negatively affected people and how it aided in racism and many, many deaths. Um, it It is being used a lot by demographics who are in a similar age range as us as almost like a version of escapism where it's easier sometimes to say with all the anxiety and the depression and the geopolitical space that we're in to be like, well, everything feels really hard and everything feels really sad and difficult. And that must be because I don't belong here. And it's like almost a glimmer of hope. You're like, oh, well, it's because all these horrible things are happening around me because I'm not from here. So I'm from another planet. Like things will be better (laughs) next time. (laughs) So I think that's probably why it's picked up so much traction online because I think a lot of people relate to that feeling. Right. And it's easy to have something to we want there to be reasons. We want there to be we want there to be reasons. A reason and so we latch onto things and then if one person does it, the other people do it and you follow blindly. Mm -hmm. And that is where we are promising to try to make a better effort in not just blindly following, but also please know that we are not perfect and we did not mean any harm by using that term. And yeah, ultimately, thank you for reaching out to us and Mm -hmm. we want to better ourselves as humans and continue to learn. And ultimately, not ultimately, I also want to be abducted by aliens. (laughs) Ultimately, we're, we're here to tell you about aliens. Yes. I would like to start because great. I feel like I'm the alien gal here. (laughs) (laughs) You deserve to go first. I deserve it. Okay, so this is from our listener, Jenny Lynn, and it's called Aliens in the Corn. I swear it was not a dream. Oh, God. This is an M. Night Shyamalan movie mm-hmm. waiting to happen. Waiting Already to happen. did happen, Already I happened. guess. Yes. <laughs> Already happened. Hello, ghouls. Thank you for such a great podcast. You asked for alien stories, so let's crack into it. I like the, that term because it makes me think there's an alien inside of an egg and it's just going like, to yes. pop out. It's like at the kid's store when you get the grow a dinosaur or whatever. Yes. Yeah, so fun. Jenny Lynn says, I have a vivid memory of being young before middle school age and having a strange experience that no one in my family believes that I have always insisted and known was not a dream. For context, I grew up in the country on a dirt road with cornfields surrounding our house. I slept on the ground floor and my parents slept on the second floor. My bedroom allowed me to see out onto our front porch if my door was open or cracked and my window faced the cornfield across the road. Lastly, our laundry room was directly behind my room and it was also where our German shepherd slept each night. So at some point in the night, I'm not sure what time it was, the house was dark and my parents were not awake, I woke up to the sound of my dog being agitated and growling. It made me sit up in bed and pay attention to my surroundings. I heard small, light footsteps and scrambling, scratchy movements out on the porch. But I looked and I couldn't see anything. 
Being freaked out, I got up to look out of my window, and that is when I saw a bright, moving, rotating light across the street in the field. Moments later, the noises on the porch retreated and the lights went out, and I heard what sounded like a plane taking off. At first light, I went across the street and saw a section of corn smashed down in the middle of the field. Whoa. Also, let's note right now that it's really interesting that there was, it sounded like a plane taking off because oftentimes it's kind of like a whooshing or like at least a a little bit quieter of a noise. So it's it's interesting that this one was so brave, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Or perhaps like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like often when people see UFOs, they are up in the sky and they are at a distance, but this seems like Mm -hmm. it is so much closer. It has Mm-hmm. made contact and landed in the ground. Clearly, if she's yes. seeing, you know, dented in smashed cornfield, perhaps it turned its engine off and had to turn it back on to get up. So mm-hmm. it made that sound. Anyway, so Jenny Lynn sees the section of corn smashed down in the middle of the field. And as some context, during this same summer, my best friend and her little sister would come over every day while their parents worked. And that day they arrived And I told her everything and took her across the street to show her. But as we approached, that corn that was smashed down just that morning was no longer smashed down. I wish I had an explanation, but I don't other than what I believe, which is I saw a UFO and they were on our porch exploring. I would love to hear what you think. See you on the other side. Jenny Lynn. What in the world? This is, oh, immediately I'm going to other timelines and dimensions i'm almost like oh what if aliens leave too much evidence behind and then they just like have the power to blip us into another timeline or something to try to get rid of the evidence but that is just so i mean also we don't know what technology they have right to sprinkle a little magic powder and and poof grow the corn again i don't know it's just so bizarre it's not like it was empty and cleared where there was no evidence of right broken corn but the absence of corn, it was uh, the way that she's speaking. It sounds like the corn was still there, perfectly intact, perfectly grown. I also wonder if, okay, so we've talked a lot about how men in black end up showing up or like a dark SUV shows up after people encounter aliens. We also read a story where someone saw a spacecraft of some kind, like a UFO, an unidentified object in the sky. And were driving and following it. And when they were going to that area, like a black SUV was blocking the road. So Mm -hmm. I I wonder if these men in black or this government agency, whatever it may be, knew that the aircraft had landed in that spot, somehow came between the time that Jenny Lynn saw it in the morning and the time that her friend came and were able to reconstruct the the site of landing. Yeah. It's just so strange. I mean, I, without a doubt, believe Jenny Lynn and what she experienced. And also hear the scratching outside of the front. It's not just like there was a UFO that landed nearby. Like these beings, whatever they are, came and went up to the front door. We're on the porch. We're exploring that area. And Jenny Lynn heard that, heard the scratching. And her dog was growling, which makes me And okay, Mm -hmm. this is the other thing. Jenny Lynn also heard sounds like little footsteps in the house. So were they there for the dog? Is the dog an alien? Or like, I don't think that's true. But 
it's there's it's a movie about that too. Yeah, there is a kids movie, but <laughs> I yeah, I just wonder what their purpose was. And it's also so fascinating that that this always happens in cornfields. I know that's so strange. Although I am wondering if it's because it's a great place to hide, which is the same reason that when I was in high school, some parties were held in the middle of a cornfield because you couldn't see it. So yeah, people driving by wouldn't catch all the kids having a bonfire and partying. So maybe the aliens have the same sort of <laughs> train of thought where yeah. they're like, we'll hide in the cornfield. The bonfires. No one will catch us. Mm-hmm. I also, we should do an episode and maybe I'll do it, an episode on crop circles because as i was doing oh i have that i already have but i'll give it to you you can do it oh no you can do it you already have that no no no. i want i want you to do it because you'll have more fun researching it okay well i read when i was researching world contact day it started with a hoax oh did it yeah i believe that yeah it's like two men created a story about it that sort of stuff is weird because it's like There's so much that's still unexplained that happens after. So it's like, okay, were these things happening before? It's just no one noticed them until the hoax. And then we think that it only started after the hoax. Or did extraterrestrial beings start mimicking what we were doing? Like, did they think that was a way to communicate? I don't know. We leave a a symbol in the corn and then they do. And then we do and then they do. Okay, well, here's – and I told you this on our Patreon live the other night literally yesterday before we recorded this i really strong do you know that they've come for you oh i wish (laughs) they're here not that there's someone moving above me i really strongly believe it's kind of like this idea that we are living in a simulation and we are the characters in a video game and someone else is controlling us but i fully believe that alien species are far more advanced than we are that they, I mean, the fact that they can be on a ship and get here and correct. we can't do that, just, I mean, that's that's a fact. But I feel like they put us here. They put us on Earth to study us and study what a civilized, we're a science experiment, to study what happens to a civilization when left to their own devices on a beautiful planet with all of the resources that are necessary for their survival and what they will do. Like, I imagine... We are, they have like a TMZ all about us on earth. (laughs) They, they, the people, the UFOs that we see are actually newscasters that are recording us and keeping up to date with what's going on here so they can report back to their planet. And we're a bit of a spectacle. We are their reality TV. That's, yeah. This is, we are the Truman Show. Yes. They just don't. Okay. I'm excited to read the second story I have picked out for you based on some of your, oh, your comments theories. here. But first, yes. First, I want to read this one from Jamie. Not Jamie Lynn, Jamie. Okay. Oh, hello, ghostesses. I had an experience this past year while visiting a friend, we'll call her A, who lived on the outskirts of Seattle slash Renton area. And I wrote this down immediately afterwards. Jamie, can you send me the address? Because it sounds like this is a place I could go for my CE5 event. That's true. I mean, it kind of sounds like maybe just this general vicinity. Yes. You could be in this Seattle Renton area. I was hesitant to share for a while, but keep feeling like I should send my story in. So I'll get right to it. Yay. 
My friend A's home is at the end of a cul-de-sac which backs up into a forested area. There is a steep wooden hill at the back of the property with a creek below. I was staying in her guest room, which is on the second floor and has a window closest to the forest. I went to sleep that night with the window cracked open a few inches for the breeze. I woke up just before 5 a.m. laying down on my back, which is weird since I'm a side sleeper or a stomach sleeper. But even stranger is that my legs were crisscross applesauce. Oh, And my hands were crossed over my chest, almost like a typical casket formation, but not quite as crossed. The covers were laid cleanly on top of me, and the top blanket was between my hands and my chin. Both of my hands were covered. I clearly heard a sound coming from outside that was similar to record scratching. Hmm. Every scratch was at the same interval, but the sound got shorter and shorter each time. My eyes were wide open. And I was looking up towards the ceiling, but I had a very clear vision that I was looking outside of the window. I saw an off-whitish being, maybe seven or eight feet tall, wearing a simple linen-type outfit of the same color of off-white. It was hovering at window level, maybe 10 to 15 feet away. It felt like a male presence, but... I can't tell you why. I couldn't see its face clearly. Its shape was long and lean with a long oval head. As soon as the record scratching sound stopped, the being turned and floated towards the woods. What? I even heard the rustling of the grass below it as it floated off, like it was pushing air downward as it moved. Then there was total silence and I could sense that it was gone. I had the strangest feeling that I might have been examined and put back into that position. It didn't feel like there was any negative energy or that it meant me any harm. I just felt like there had been an invasion of privacy. To be clear, not in a weird way. Well, I think it's still weird to it be is abducted weird. And, and looked at, poked and broaded. Yeah. I somehow got up and searched the whole house, checked the back patio and looked outside, but I saw nothing. As soon as it was light enough, I looked out the window, and even though I was not super familiar with the backyard before, it was only my second time at A's new place, and it's not like I spent any real time outside there. It was exactly how I saw it in my vision, down to the tree branch that reaches closest to the house. I immediately talked to my friend A about the whole experience and found out that there was a crazy storm earlier that night. So stormy, it woke up A and her roommate, but I wasn't aware of any of it. A had me call our mutual friend who apparently also had an experience in that guest room a few months earlier. Our friend woke up to a dark shadow-like being standing in the corner. When she first saw it, she called out to it thinking that maybe it was just A sleepwalking, but then the being walked towards her, stepped into the closet like two feet from the bed, and disappeared. Oh. From her description, it doesn't seem like it's the same being to me. Yeah. I stayed at A's place for two more nights, but believe me. I did not sleep. Also, side note, I have no history of sleepwalking, sleep paralysis, or anything. Love the podcast. You've got me through so many monotonous work days. So thank you. See you on the other side, Jamie. Okay. So it's interesting because Jamie describes the same scratching sound that Jenny Lynn explained. And then I was thinking that same thing. My second theory is the fact that Jamie didn't experience the storm at all. One makes me think that It was because Jamie was being, was up in the spacecraft and being experimented on or examined. But what if the abduction needed a storm to like cover its tracks? Oh, the storm came with the being. Either that or they came because of the storm. They were like, oh, this is a good time. Mm, That's really interesting. 
I mean, there's a lot of storms up there. It's super rainy. It's ripe for aliens, I guess, to to hide amongst the noise of the thunder and the rain and everything like that. Yeah. But it's also interesting that it's not like Jamie saw a UFO. Instead, saw this oblong-shaped head, like really thin creature Mm -hmm. in a monotone outfit that perfectly matched its skin, floating many, many feet in the air and just, it was like its own little hovering spacecraft. Yeah. It was the UFO and the creature and the alien. And the alien. It's so fascinating. Hmm. I know. Isn't that? And it's, it's like, we've read so many stories like this too, where people are, people only really know that there's a great chance of what happened to them not being a dream and actually being in a production because of how they were placed back. Yes. Like, it's the people that are put back into the wrong seats of the car. Like someone else is suddenly in the driver's seat and the driver is in the back. Or missing time. Or missing time. Or like the – remember there was that one person who was running with their mom and their other sibling up the driveway to their house and then gone is their memory. And they all wake up face down and sideways on their bed. But whoever spent time with Jamie was at least like, oh, I think that they sleep in the sheets <laughs> And like tried to place them, place Jamie back how they thought maybe people sleep. Should sleep. The crisscross applesauce is what gets me. <laughs> like, That's what a strange. So I'm just imagining an alien being like, being like, how do you bend this limb? Like, uh, it goes this way, it goes that way. I know. No, and that's super uncomfortable. I one time was so exhausted that I fell asleep sitting up crisscross applesauce. And slept like that for like four hours. And when I got up, my legs did not work. So I crawled a little bit until the pins and needles went away. So no, you shouldn't be sleeping that way. No, no. That's for sure. It's a bit uncomfortable. But the fact that there's something else in there too, there's some sort of shadow figure in the house. Like this house, you asked Jamie for the address of the area. I think you need to ask Jamie if you can sleep over at their friend A's house. Okay, well, here's another question or theory, um, hypothesis to put out into the universe. So I feel like oftentimes a lot of people who have encountered alien-like beings have also experienced something paranormal or the home in which the alien encounter happened has also been known for hauntings. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, do aliens have the ability to if we're talking energy, let's say that this house, A's house, has a portal of some sort or the access to the paranormal plane. So the energy there and the currents are higher frequency, which allows an alien spacecraft, a UFO or species, whatever we want to call them, to access that place more sufficiently. Right. It's interesting because it's reminding me of a story we read maybe a couple months ago at this point where... That person was sleeping in their house and I think their brother and their dad saw this dark figure kind of like sneak up the stairs to their Mm. room. But their dream and their memory was basically an alien abduction. And yet the people that were in the house thought it was a ghost demon type situation. So maybe it's both. I don't know. I guess I have to be abducted to find out. Tune in next year to hear all about (laughs) Sabrina's uh, study abroad in the UFO. <laughs> One of you spent like four months just gone. And you come back and you're like, actually, it's pronounced UFO. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and I'll like change my name. <laughs> I go by I go I go by Alien Two Six Eight Twelve. 23 yeah. oh, that's now. so funny i totally forgot my american name no one told uh, me that <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm so uh, sophisticated now i don't eat human food i eat dirt i eat dirt oh i forgot you don't have that delicacy here <laughs> oh you need to go to costco <laughs> i don't need we to go have grocery the biggest shopping costco on another planet <laughs> Costco is actually run by the head alien. <laughs> You're actually I freaking love Costco. I know. Yes, that is an alien species uh, run. What? Words. Wow. I don't <laughs> you know. You really committed to that. No questions. Just like, yes, Costco is run by aliens. <laughs> I, yes. You know, conspiracy theories for the win. I was trying oh, to yeah. yes and and then I failed. Got to go back to improv class. Um, <laughs> you and me both. That would be fun. That'd be fun. We should do that. We should do a lot of zip, things. zap, zop, zip, zap. I will only go back if the only thing I have to do is zip, zap, zop. No, Corinne, we have to get into a fake car and drive to space. Clearly, my improv abilities all have to do with aliens. <laughs> It's like Michael Scott in The Office when he is doing his improv class and he keeps pulling out a gun and they'll be in the middle of it. And the improv teacher is like, give me all your guns. And he like, you know, like fake gives them all to the teacher. And then he jumps into a scene and he whispers something into the guy's ear. And he's like, what did he just say to you? And he goes, he told me he has a gun. Oh, God, I love that term. Okay. Oh, man, that's rich. All right, I have another story. Great. It's from our listener, V. Did I tell you what the subject line was? No. Okay, well, I'll tell you now. Great. It is aliens, glitch in the matrix, paranormal, who knows? Wow, All everything we love. Yeah, and it's like we get to decipher. What is it? We'll never know. Hey girlies, I am a fairly new listener, but I've been binging the shit while I'm at work. I fell in love with this podcast after the first episode I listened to. This story has me fucked up. I've written in so many times because I have so many spooky, scary experiences, but this one takes the ticket for being the most unbelievable. I think this is the third time I'm sending this in because I need you guys to hear this. This happened a few years ago. But before I jump into everything, I just want to say thank you to you guys. Y'all are the only reason I get through my workday and makes time go by so much faster. I'm a dog groomer and I love working on the little shits. <laughs> Hold on to your butts and fasten your seatbelts. I'm going to preface again. Only six people know this story. And I'm changing all names in the story for privacy reasons. So let's call them Ellie, Carter, Carter's mom, my fiance, and myself. I'm writing this in because I've always been scared to tell this story because it is truly unbelievable. If someone else told me this story, I would say, you're full of shit. I feel like if anyone would believe this story, it is you. So here it goes. As I'm writing this, I'm getting chills because it's so bizarre and unbelievable. You can call me V. This experience happened a few years ago with my two friends, Ellie and Carter. At this point in my life, I was doing a lot of paranormal investigations with my local ghost group 
And, you know, just your usual spooky shit. Anyways, Ellie and Carter lived next to each other in this super rural town on the outskirts of our main town. Like, this town has a population of 50 at most. They both have lived there their entire lives, and I have been friends with them for a few years, and I knew the town pretty well. Obviously, they know it better. One night around 12 a.m., we went to the town over because there was a well-known cemetery that has spooky shit always happening. This town also being on the outskirts and super rural. We go and investigate the cemetery, doing our thing, but no activity was really happening, so we decide to leave. Then it's around 1.30 a.m. We have been to the cemetery more times than I can count. We take the same road there and back every time, which takes about 20 minutes to get back to Carter's house. So we leave the cemetery around 1.30 a.m. and start heading back on the same road when all of a sudden we come to a T in the road. You could either go left or right. We could not go straight. We came to a complete stop and thought this was very strange because we all had been on this road so many times and never had it been like this. Ellie was driving, so I look over at her and ask if she had taken a wrong turn anywhere. She said no, which I knew was true because I had been watching the road the entire time she was driving. Also, she lives in this part of town and her and Carter know the roads like the back of their hand. They both had never seen this road before. And then we all got a really strange feeling, like the vibe was definitely off. Us, being the spooky people we are, decided not to turn around, but to turn right and see where the road led to. This road was paved for about a mile and then turned into a dirt road. We continued driving, and all of a sudden, we come up onto this old, old abandoned house. None of us had ever seen this before. There was no turn off to go down to the house, so we just kept driving. And then the next thing we know, we are surrounded by corn, like eight foot tall on both sides of us. I start to get an even worse feeling, and I tell Ellie we need to turn around. Something doesn't feel right. But there was no way for us to turn around right away, so Ellie had to drive for maybe another mile until she could. We finally turn around and drive down the same road that we came, and all we could see is corn. Then, straight ahead of us, we see a green light. It's about nine feet up in the air, just barely taller than the corn. The light is coming at us, but very slowly. Ellie, Carter, and myself are frozen in fear, and Ellie stops the car. We're all trying to figure out what the fuck the green light is. Maybe it's headlights, maybe someone with a lantern. We're just trying to think logically. But logically, nothing humanly possible could be this tall. Whatever it was... Was fucking terrifying. As we stopped trying to see what the light is, it split into four separate lights. Carter then yells Whoa. from the back of the car, drive, drive, drive. There are four more behind us. Ellie guns it towards the lights in front of us. And as we go under them, there's a flash that I swear to God lit up the entire sky. Next thing we know, we're out of the cornfield, supposed to be driving past the old abandoned house, but there is no house. There is no split in the road. There is no light. We're now back on the road that we originally were supposed to be on the entire time we were supposed to be on to head back to Carter's house when we left the cemetery. What the hell? We look down at the clock. It is now 6 a.m. No. Wait, what time was it when they started? 1.30 a.m. How much time has passed? Jesus. That's a long freaking time. It's a long I'm used to people time. missing like two hours, maybe 30 minutes. Yeah, like, Yeah. Over four hours. Four and a half hours, yeah. Jeez. 
Ellie is so shaken up that she pulls over to let Carter drive the rest of the way. We all sat in silence the whole way to Carter's house. We pull into the driveway and all look at each other like, what the fuck just happened? Ellie is pale as a ghost, looking like she's about to throw up. We head into Carter's Understandable. house. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm surprised that none of them did. We head into Carter's house and want to talk to his mom immediately because she's very witchy and someone we can actually talk to about this. When we walked in, she was already on the couch waiting for us because she could tell and knew that something had happened. We tell her everything, and she usually has an answer for everything, but this time, she is speechless. She has nothing logically or spiritual to say about it, which freaked us all out even more. (gasps) That makes it so much worse. (laughs) Yeah. She tells us to go get some rest, and we'll talk about it more in a few hours. So we all stay in the house and go to sleep. Well... Carter and Ellie did. I couldn't sleep because I was up replaying everything in my mind. Nothing made sense. Carter and Ellie woke up around 11 a.m. I looked at both of them and I said, we have to go back. They thought I was batshit crazy. They both refused. So I came up with a better idea and said, let's look at a map and see if we can find this road. We pull up our maps on our phones and look up exactly where the cemetery was and all of the roads surrounding it. There was nothing. We could not find a damn thing. Luckily for us, Carter's dad had an actual paper map of the whole town, so we looked at that. Once again, nothing. There wasn't a single road that was anything like the road we had been on. Now, Ellie and Carter's interest was piqued, so they agreed to go back to the cemetery, drive the same road, and see what happens. This time, we decided to take Carter's mom with us. At this point, it's about 2 p.m. It's daytime. It's light outside, so we think it's our best chance of finding this road. We go to the cemetery, retrace our steps, and did everything exactly like we did the night before and drive the same road that we had been on hundreds of times. And what happens? The road takes us straight back to Carter's house. We're like, okay, that's super suspicious. So we drive back to the cemetery and decide to take every single little road in hopes to find this road. Most importantly, to also find this abandoned house. None. Right, because maybe it's like, I understand being like, oh, maybe we got distracted and we're kind of going on autopilot and missed a turn. So they are truly so that's smart of them to examining. retrace. Yeah. Yes, to do every plausible road that they could have driven on. None of the roads led us to this T. None of the roads had an abandoned house on it. None of the roads even had cornfields next to them. The road we were on never fucking existed. The house never existed. None of it ever existed. So what was it that me, Ellie, and Carter experienced that night? I genuinely have no idea. When I tell you this shit fucked me up, it fucked me up. I have never to this day ever experienced anything like this. I have no explanation for it. And unfortunately for me, Ellie and Carter, we are no longer friends. So we don't speak on the subject or speak at all. Which is why I wanted to write it in and tell the story so it could be out there and not sitting in the back of my mind tormenting you. Thank you for listening. I hope to see you on the other side. V. This is just so mind-boggling to me because I feel like this is the marriage of time slips that we've read, like glitches in the matrix, because typically when people are driving and they find themselves losing time and and going down these areas that they'd never seen before with structures they'd never seen before and and the road is winding, and then there's a storm, and then they lose three hours. Like, 
those are typically more of the glitch in the matrix stories or how we categorize them. Mm-hmm. But this is a combo. This is like, this makes me wonder, can aliens manipulate our surroundings and our space? And if so, what does that mean for all of the other stories we've read where people are experiencing similar things, but then just, I don't know, I, I'm flabbergasted. I mean, if they can manipulate our memory and the ability to like wipe time from like what happened in hours of the day or Mm -hmm. of the abduction. Absolutely. Why couldn't they alter our reality? And then additionally, okay, well, I guess separately, this email, the reason I got so intrigued by it is it reminded me of the 11 mile game, which I covered, I mean, a while back. I don't remember what episode it was, but it's that paranormal game where you find that road and when you go down it, each mile has a a different obstacle of sorts. And Mm -hmm. I think there is like an old abandoned house on that road. And then did they accidentally find themselves in a game or is that an alien? Like (sighs) this goes back to my simulation theory a little bit because it's like, (laughs) it's like programming. Mm -hmm. Like it's a glitch. It's a, let's just say aliens are the creators of this game and they programmed, they saw V, Ellie, and Carter driving back from the cemetery and they like, someone real quick came in and went in and was like, let's rewrite this code and put them down this path and see what they do. Or what if they accidentally slipped into a different time into like a weird glitch and the lights that they saw were aliens being like, you got to go back. And so they were scaring them back to their timeline. This is making me think about like the Philadelphia experiment and Montauk project yeah. and all that. Like what if there was some sort of thing going on, some sort of portal opened and yeah, it was supposed to be like the first line of defense to deter people from venturing further. What would have happened if they had turned left instead of turning right? Oh, that's a great question. Kind of a scary, startling question, but yes, good question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I have an email to end us on. Okay. And then we have about a thousand other emails in our inbox. Oh, so that many. have to do with UFO sightings, abductions, theories. So this doesn't mean that just because we're doing a, a theme episode right now, it doesn't mean that we're not going to incorporate those in every single episode yes. we do moving forward. Absolutely. Okay, this is called My Alien Field Trip, and it is from Ken, which Ken had shared some stories with us when we were doing Campfire yeah, Stories. Yeah, I was going to say. We were like, send us she teased a little bit of this story and we're like please please email us yes and it's basically it it could answer she said it could answer whether our question of whether our soul can be abducted and not necessarily our body because we've posed that question before is it really just our body in the astral plane sometimes being Mm. abducted and not always our physical body as well we'll find out we'll find out that's a great question that will probably um Hurt our brains a bit, but yes. Yes. Okay. So Ken said, this experience happened to me sometime between 2012 and 2014. In the very early hours of the morning one day, I woke up with sleep paralysis. I could see my room just as it was, dimly lit by the moonlight, pouring in through the window blinds. It then occurred to me that I was not alone in my room. I could feel a presence there with me, though it didn't exactly scare me. I didn't feel threatened by it. This presence made itself known by starting to communicate with me, but Mm. telepathically. Great. I didn't hear its voice. I felt it. Ah. To me, the present felt genderless and far beyond human in its intelligence. 
but again, not threatening in the slightest bit. We want to show you something. The voiceless voice communicated. We're going to grab hold of your right big toe. And when we do, you'll be transported out of your body and into our dimension where we will be able to show you things. (gasps) I started to feel apprehensive and scared about leaving my body. But as soon as I felt slash thought this, they responded with, don't be scared. We promise to bring you back safely. Whoa. So I let myself relax and surrender fully with my body still frozen and motionless in bed. And before I knew it, I felt the sensation of my big toe being squeezed and I just whooshed right out of my body and found myself elsewhere. The first thing I remember is being on board a large craft somewhere in space. This wasn't just a ship. This was more like a space station that accommodated dozens of its crew members and departments, which seemed to be a combination of scientists, technicians, aerospace engineers, and the like. I was intuitively made aware that this is the life that they were used to for generations, as they were no longer inhabiting one single planet, but they were voyagers to other star systems. Anyway... I was moving down a long, narrow corridor with laboratory rooms along the left side that I could see into. Walking on my right side was this being who was giving me a tour of the facilities. This is literally, Sabrina, what you said at the top of the episode of like, if you were abducted, what would happen? This is everything I want. Mm -hmm. Hey, maybe it happened to Ken. Maybe it will happen to you. Ken, can we switch bodies for a moment? (laughs) Just, Just one moment. Just one moment. I noticed at that moment that he looked very much human. He resembled a regular human man with dark hair, and he was slightly taller and was dressed in some kind of uniform, just as several of the other crew members were. And he starts speaking to me telepathically. He proceeded to tell me about what they were collectively working on for generations. They were basically a team of advanced scientists dedicated to preserving the record of all life on Earth and other planets across different galaxies. In other words, every creature that has ever gone extinct in our Earth's history wasn't actually extinct. It was very much thriving on another planet somewhere else in the universe due to their experiments. They were keeping tabs on all species on Earth and other planets. This is literally what you were saying. I'm a genius. (laughs) You've tapped in. You've tapped in. You know. I do know. They were keeping tabs on all species on Earth and other planets, and they had been for longer than human history. As soon as any species dwindled down and were at threat of going extinct, they would collect its DNA sample and preserve it. They then would replicate it in their lab and release it into one of their many charted Earth-like planets, which they kept track of on a very complex interactive map of different star systems. They explained to me that very rarely did they release a species back to the same planet where it had originally went extinct, as they were aware that the ecosystem there no longer supported its existence. I remember feeling totally fascinated by all of this and what the being was telling me. And I wanted to ask so many questions, but it felt like time was of the essence and I didn't want to waste it. As we continued to walk down the long corridor... I noticed that these lab rooms on my left were actually specimen chambers that contained live creatures that were being held there temporarily. This is like... Some of them were so... Okay. It should be a movie. Well, this is what... It's so interesting because when we think about... There's a lot of talk about how we are damaging our planet and how in time do we potentially need to move to a different planet. And when we do that, how do we repopulate how do we bring plant species and grow food and like i'm i'm just it's so fascinating because all of that it sounds like we would like to recreate what 
these species are doing. Like putting a collection of creatures and plants and different beings onto a spacecraft and moving them elsewhere in a more habitable place. It makes me curious, too, about how evolution ties into this. Is it strictly just when an animal is about to go extinct that they take it? Or have they taken versions of animals from hundreds of years ago that now we have different versions of those same animals? They've evolved or been bred into different versions that we know now. Even 80 years ago. Some, like, look at dog breeds. Yeah, there's it's so many. It's kind of upsetting to look at what they looked like 50 years ago compared to now. Yeah, I don't know. Ah, it's really interesting. So fascinating. Okay. I noticed that these lab rooms on my left were actually specimen chambers that contained live creatures that were being held there temporarily. Some of them were so strange looking and seemed to be so alien. And I remember thinking, that is not an Earth creature to which the being could detect my thoughts and replied, you're right, these life forms are from another star system. Ah! In the very last specimen chamber on the left at the end of the corridor, I noticed a red fox. I thought, hey, that's definitely an earthly creature I've seen and it looks quite contemporary. The being proceeded to tell me that this was a red fox that had dwindled down to extinction, but that before it disappeared, they sampled its DNA, replicated it here, and then released a number of them back into the wild on Earth when circumstances were appropriate. I was amazed at all of this and remember thinking, wouldn't it be so cool if I could somehow find evidence for this? More on that later. Stop. At the very end of the corridor, straight ahead of us, was a door that led into the main laboratory that I was brought into. There were other humanoid beings in this room, but they didn't give much thought to me as they were deeply engaged in their experiments. And I don't recall too many details about them. So inside the room, they had this digital touchscreen holographic catalog, which I was allowed to flip through. Stop. Some of these animals I was familiar with, like the prehistoric woolly mammoth. They had long gone extinct on Earth, but I was shown a digital star map, which certain stars noticeably were brighter than others, and told they are thriving right here on these planets. Well, <laughs> we're trying to bring back the woolly mammoth, so maybe they'll be here too. And oh my where gosh. is it, Russia or something that they're yeah, I don't know. trying to give them space? In the next part of this field trip, I was shown a planet in one of the star systems that they had mapped. I was hovering just above the planet, and I remember it looked so much like Earth, but I knew it wasn't. There was absolutely no sign of human civilization. The being's voice was still in my mind, and it confirmed my suspicion was correct. This definitely was not Earth, but a planet very much like it, containing plenty of water and capable of sustaining similar life forms. At this point in my astral experience, the details get kind of fuzzy, and the next thing I remember, I'm back in my body and open my eyes and wowed by the entire trip. About a day passes after this experience, and I suddenly get the urge to search online for something to do with that red fox. I can't explain it other than a voice inside of me just tells me to dig into it online and that I would be pleasantly surprised. So I did. I typed into Google this search term, red fox thought to be extinct. And well, what do you know? Here's what I found, a National Geographic article titled, Lost Fox Subspecies Found Via Saliva Analysis. My heart was beating quickly out of sheer excitement. And I clicked on the article and I read the first line. Thought as regionally extinct, the Sierra Nevada red fox has been rediscovered in the mountains of central California. My jaw dropped to the floor. There it was, the same red fox that I had seen in the lab. It's worth noting that the article does state this particular red fox was only thought regionally extinct, not entirely extinct, as one of the other populations of them had still existed farther north in California. But 
I think this supports what the being had told me about how under rare circumstances, they do release a species back onto the same planet. Perhaps this was one of those rare opportunities which gave them the flexibility to experiment in this way without raising any red flags among us humans or tampering with the ecosystem too much. Oh, and one more thing. I don't find it a coincidence at all that this area is pretty much the alien hotspot slash playground of the world. It's near Nevada. There's so much UFO activity around these regions. Anyway, that's my story. Thanks for reading it. I'll send in a few others that I have about Mexican hacienda ghosts and a haunted little Thai bungalow that I lived in in Kaupangan, Thailand. Take care. Love you both so much. And see you on the other side. Ken. Ken. I'm rendered speechless. Right? I don't know what to say except for holy Holy Batman. This is... I mean, you're, you brought this up a few times already about the theory of what if this is all an experiment? I mean, they're experimenting on other planets with creatures from Earth and from other planets. Like, are we, I guess my question is like, are we also an experiment or did we naturally exist and other planets naturally exist and now the experiments are happening on other planets with what has know. occurred here or before human existence where we somehow helped and are we a part of the experiment or are we just being tapped into for the experiment i wonder if ken knows the answer to that yeah but how how incredible that you can basically the ken's astral body was just brought into they did say another dimension so i mean the astral plane i guess is is another dimension but i don't know i just have so So many questions does that mean if i perfect my astral traveling abilities i can go here i think so because you were literally told that you could tap you have the potential of tapping into many dimensions so the answer is yes okay be right back (laughs) didn't work we we should we should actually do some sort of I, i should figure out like a script or something online if there's one where i can try to guide you into a hypnotic state and see if you can find aliens i just picture you hypnotizing me and making me do like weird shit (laughs) i would never do that yeah you would i'd be like leia do not bite her she's under hypnosis wait i would love to we should do that as like a patreon special even if nothing happens that would be so fun even if nothing happens i'm sure it would be funny oh it's still fun we'll experiment we'll try some things love it We'll see what happens. Ah, and we will try to communicate and make contact with aliens on World Communication Day, which happened when this episode yesterday. comes out yesterday. But mm-hmm. let's make like 2013 and make it a week-long experience. Oh, I'm so down. So down. I would love to be abducted astrally, not physically. Okay. When I'm abducted, whether astrally or physically, I will tell them that you would like to astrally be abducted. Lovely. Lovely. Thank you. Yeah. And please, everybody, if you have any experiences with UFOs, aliens, knowledge of what the hell's going on here, email us at podcast at gmail.com. And join us on Patreon where we're going to do, we do monthly events. If you're listening to this now, you can join our Only Phantoms tier and above and watch what we did for world contact day on our live stream which was happened which happened last night and you also can get access to all of our previous live streams and join us for future ones there's also fun exclusive benefits to all patreon members so mm-hmm. join us 
Check out our show notes for various ways to follow us on social media and support our show, like buying merch and telling other people, rating and reviewing on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. And thank you to Upfire Digital, the team who edits both our video and our audio. Yes, thank you. We really appreciate them. We do. Aliens do not abduct them because- We need them. We need them. (laughs) We need them. Or if you abduct them, do it just so that they can give us information and then send them back so that they're well. Take take safe. us with them. The whole yeah, team. Yeah, the whole team. It's all of two girls, one guy. It's our uh, yearly uh, conference. What's it's our the word? outing. Our outing. It's our holiday party. Our, <laughs> our corporate outing. There we go. Our retreat. Our conference. Our conference. Our retreat. A retreat. We're like, wow, man. What is? What are the terms of corporate? We America? clearly don't work in corporate America. I've been out of it for seven months and I can't remember a single thing. <laughs> Um, Well, thank you all for joining. We love you all very much and hope that I get abducted. Yes, that's true. And we will see you on another planet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what voice that was. It was good. Let's leave it at that. Okay, bye. bye.